well today. It's an absolute honor to have with us Pastor Casey Treat from Seattle. Casey passes uh, an awesome church there. They have about 10,000 members, and he's making an impact not just in Seattle, but around the world. I've been listening to Casey's messages for years. Uh, I remember first hearing him about 10 years ago in Glasgow. I'm being so gripped and impacted by the message he shared. I remember getting those tapes that he shared whenever people came who I thought would really benefit from it. I kept handing the cassette states out to them. I no longer have them, so one of you nicked them from me. His, his message had such an impact on me, so it's just a joy and honor to have Casey with us today. So would you put your hands together and give Casey Treat a massive Edinburgh welcome. Good morning. Great to be in the house of the Lord. Great to be in Edinburgh for my first time. Lovely. It's a lovely drive up this morning. Sun is shining. The Lord is good. Are y'all drinking lattes back there in the cafe? I love this church. kind of feel at home here in Scotland, Seattle and Scotland are very similar. Green, wet, a little bit chilly. Use that word chilly. That's not something you eat. That's, that's a temperature. My wife Wendy's in Seattle teaching today. So let's pray that she doesn't destroy the church. It was a great debate. God created man, his greatest creation in his likeness and his image. He couldn't do any better when he created woman. Or, on the other hand, he created man. He said, oops. So he created woman. I'm not sure which one is true. But I thank God for my wife, Wendy. She really is a great partner and uh, leader in our church. And uh, three kids also. Caleb, our oldest, heads up our youth and young adults ministry. He's 26, just married. Tasha, my daughter, 24. She's our main vocal worship leader. And Micah, 22, he leads in sound and television ministry. So it's great to have kids serving God and helping us to grow church there in the Northwest. Does anybody get Daystar over here? Do you get Daystar here in, uh, in Scotland? Someone in Glasgow is watching us on Daystar. I'm not sure if it's up here or not. Anybody see their TV show? Have you heard of this thing called a television? <laughs> Y'all have electricity up here. Just kidding. Well, we, we put the TV show also on our website, caseytreat.com, so you can watch any of the programs and check out things that we're doing at Christian Faith Center on the website. So uh, I see you're following your pastor on Twitter, Facebook. So I guess when, you know, we, we really don't need to come to church anymore. We just need a Twitter, a Facebook, and a website. When we all get to heaven... We'll Twitter you. <laughs> Did you bring a Bible? I still have a Bible with pages. 
Did you bring, do you all bring Bibles? Or, or maybe it's your iPhone or your iPad. Find something with the Bible in it and open it to Isaiah chapter 26. Father, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened today as we study your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Isaiah chapter 26, or do y'all say Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We live in a world with very little peace, don't we? Not much peace in our world. There's more worry in our world, turmoil in our world, confusion, anxiety. In America today, we are spending billions of dollars on tranquilizers, on drugs, on alcohol because of our worries, our anxieties, our fears. And uh, we're pretty much afraid of everything. We're afraid of terrorists. We're afraid of wars. We're afraid of sickness and disease. We're afraid of economic failure. We're afraid of losing our job. You know, we just have this stress and pressure and not very much peace. I suppose it's the same in nations and cities all over the earth today. But the Bible said God can keep us in perfect peace. Peace is a place of tranquility. Peace is a place of creativity. In fact, the Bible preaches, teaches that peace is a place of prosperity. In the Old Covenant, when God spoke to Joshua and said that you will make your way prosperous, it includes this sense of peace. Of course, in the old days, when there was peace, they could work their farms, they could develop their herds, they could improve their communities, and they would prosper. When there was no peace, they had to fight, they, they, they had to resist the enemy, they, they were struggling, they were battling, they were dying, and so, consequently, there was not much prosperity. So, within the concept of peace is this sense of blessing. And prosperity. Peace includes the process of traveling and going on a journey peacefully, getting where God wants us to go, fulfilling the plans and purposes of God peacefully and purposefully and with prosperity. And so here the prophet says, God will keep us in perfect peace, blessing, prosperity when our mind is stayed on him. Now, we as Christians tend to think that most things are dependent on our heart. And that's true. But did you know your heart is made up of your spirit and soul? The Bible said the spirit and soul of the heart is where the word is piercing, dividing asunder soul and spirit of the heart. There are times when it says we think in our heart. Other times the Bible said we believe in our heart. So the heart includes your mind. 
as well as your spirit. Most theologians would say that your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. So the soul of man is part of the heart of man, which would include your mind, your thinking. So many of us thought when we got saved, we gave our lives to Christ, we were born again, our spirit was changed. The Bible said that which is born of the spirit is spirit, the human spirit recreated, reborn by the Holy Spirit. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so we realize becoming a Christian means getting a new spirit, going through the new birth, becoming a new creation in Christ. All things pass away. All things become new. We recognize that as a spiritual transformation. We're born again. We're Christians. You're not a Christian because you sit in church any more than sitting in a garage would make you a car. Is it that early here in Scotland? (laughs) You're a Christian because you've received the spirit of the Lord and he brings a new birth to your spirit. And sometimes us pastors, us teachers or preachers give the impression that once you become a Christian, then everything's changed. When in fact, most things haven't changed. Once you become a Christian, your spirit is changed. Your heart is connected with God. You are born again. You have eternal life. You're on your way to heaven. But pretty much nothing else has changed. You're still married to the same person. You still have the same bills. And if you hate your job, you probably still hate it. You might have a better attitude while you're there. But the new birth doesn't promise success in this life. It just provides eternal life. And many people don't realize that. They think that I'm a Christian now. I I believe in God and I'm relating to God. I'm connecting to God. And so I want everything in my life to change. But the Bible said he'll keep you in perfect peace and prosperity when your mind is stayed on him, not just your heart. So there's this process of renewal that we all must go through if we really want to enter in to all God has for us. I wish it was instant. I wish we could just pray a prayer. I just, I wish I could just lay hands on people and their addictions would be gone and their mind would be right and their marriage would get better and their finances would be blessed and they would lose weight and they would gain muscle mass and they would get cute and handsome and pretty. Hair would come back or go away, whichever one you want. I wish it was like that. And sometimes us preachers make it sound like that. That it's just a prayer. We're just going to lay hands. We're going to anoint with oil. It's going to be a miracle. God's going to do it. And you're going to be totally changed. But all that's just preacher talk for I don't really have a clue what to do. (laughs) Fact is, we got to get our mind right. I'm not saying that Christianity is a mental process, but it includes... The renewing of the mind. I'm not telling you today that it's mind over matter and that if you focus your thoughts, you will somehow succeed in life. What I am saying is if you will exchange your thoughts for God's thoughts, your life will rise to a higher level. If you'll begin to think the thoughts of God, have the beliefs of the Bible, have the perspectives and the attitudes, think in line with God's thoughts, your life will get better. 
you will rise to a higher place. And you can be a born-again Christian and have a miserable life. You're on your way to heaven, but it doesn't guarantee any change here. Many born-again Christians are miserable, defeated, discouraged people. We see them. We know them. Maybe you're one of them. You're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying His will on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus said to pray, isn't it? He said to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, you can be connected with God, but not be living in His will on earth. Now, I suppose at the end of the day, all that really matters is you're born again and you're going to heaven and you'll have eternity to sort it out. And sometimes I take heart in that and I'm encouraged by that because I have folks in my church I don't think they're ever going to change. You know, I tell my wife, we've been preaching there for 32 years now. And I think I'm the worst pastor in the world because most of the church hasn't changed all that much. You know, the same wives come up to me and say, my husband is so ugly. I say, I know he's been that way for 30 years. <laughs> my wife is so mean. I know. What's up with that? Why'd you marry her? Should have prayed twice. <laughs> we all face these circumstances that we wish were different. And in many cases, doesn't seem to be getting any better. But God still says that if we'll get our thoughts focused, if, our get, if we'll get our mind on Him, that doesn't mean just thinking about heaven. That means thinking like He thinks, believing as He believes, focused on the thoughts of God. He'll keep us in perfect peace because we trust in Him. Really, we get our mind focused on all these other things because we're not sure we can trust God. Oh, I know we say while we're here, oh, I trust the Lord, but do we? Because we find ourselves worrying about circumstances that we heard on the news and caught up in the thoughts that we read in the newspaper and believing the things that we learned from who knows where, and we forget to focus our thoughts on the things of God. And if we would, then we really start trusting Him and that peace that passes under understanding begins to guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. That's what we want. Look with me in Romans chapter 12. Let's go to the New Testament. Pastor asked if I would talk about this today and share a little bit of my story. And so I will submit to the pastor. This scripture here in Romans chapter 12 became real to me 35 years ago. I know, I look so young, huh? But 35 years ago, I was 19 years old. I was in a drug rehab center. I'd been put there by the state. They gave me an option. I could go to rehab or I could go to prison. And so I prayed about it and took rehab. And uh, while I was there, I found out it was a Christian program and the director was a, a born-again, spirit-filled man. And he became my spiritual father. And first thing he did was took me to church. I got born again. And he began to talk to me about this new Christian life. And 
I was so discouraged and so depressed at the time that I thought I couldn't become a Christian because though I'd said the prayer, I didn't feel any different. I did everything they told me to do. I, I said the prayer and I knelt at the altar and, and I got baptized, but I didn't feel any different. I had the same addictions. I had the same depressions. I, I had the same anger and frustration in life. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm a Christian, how can I be the same? If I'm a Christian, how come I got all these same problems? I thought God was supposed to help me and things were supposed to change. And I think the enemy was, you know, speaking to me. That spirit of the world is always looking for a way to get in and bring condemnation. And I just sense this negative spirit saying, you're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't act like this. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't feel like this. If you were a Christian, you'd be different. Maybe you've had those thoughts and had those same feelings. And so I was studying and searching the scripture to see some kind of answer. And I came across Romans 12 and verse 2. And here the apostle Paul writes, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's writing to the church in Rome. To Christian people, to born-again, spirit-filled people, he said, you still have to decide not to be like the world. What does that mean? You have to decide not to carry the thoughts and attitudes of the world. You've got to decide not to be molded and fashioned according to the world. Carry their same addictions, carry their same hurts, their same anxieties, their same fears, worries, depressions, discouragements. You have to choose something different. And the way you do that is by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I thought I just had to get saved. No, no. Now I have to renew my mind. My spirit has changed. That gives me eternal life. But by the renewing of my mind, I start having God's will in this life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we want God's will on earth as it is in heaven, if we want God's will here while we're on our way to heaven, We've got to begin to focus our thoughts. Think the thoughts of God. He'll keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on Him. This word transformation in the Greek text is metamorpho. It it speaks to us of a metamorphosis, of of a change in form, a change that is not just the surface. Some people start coming to church and say, praise the Lord. They learn a little Christianese, you know. Christianese. How are you today? Praise the Lord. What's been happening? God is good. And the family? Oh, the Lord is with us. We learn some Christianese. We can speak a few Christian words. We memorize a couple verses. But God wants a transformation that goes beyond the surface. A metamorphosis. The caterpillar becomes a butterfly. He enters into the cocoon in one form. He comes out in another form. And that doesn't happen by saying a few Christian words or by saying a brief prayer. That happens as our mind is renewed, as our thoughts are changed. And I like to use the word exchanged. I'm going to exchange the way I think for the way 
God thinks. I'm going to exchange what my parents taught me for what my heavenly parent teaches me. I'm going to exchange the way I think and feel for the way God teaches me to think and feel. And really, that's all Jesus was doing as he walked around and taught for three and a half years. He was giving people an opportunity to exchange the way they thought and the way they believed for something else. The Pharisees had taught them one way. Religion had taught them one way. The world had taught them one way. And Jesus said, I'm coming to give you an exchange. And he said, if you really want to be my disciple, you've got to abide in my word. And then you'll know the truth. And that truth will make you free. How come we're not free from our anxiety? Because we don't know the truth. Well, we heard it, but we don't really know it, do we? The word know there in the Greek text is genosko. It has to do with knowing experientially. Knowing because you've embraced it. Knowing because you've practiced it. I can watch pastor on his skateboard. That doesn't mean I know how to do it. I can watch the athlete on the football field, but that doesn't mean I can do what he did. That's the problem with our world today. We think we know because we're fans. We're in the stands. We're rooting. We're cheering. We're telling the umpire what they should do or not do. We're telling the players what they should do. Why didn't you run faster? Why didn't you kick that ball harder? Why didn't you take a left instead of a right? Why don't you do what I tell you? Because I know. All the while, you're sitting in the fans getting drunk on beer. But we think we know. Only because we see. But knowing is much more than that, isn't it? We think we know how to be good husbands and wives, but we don't really abide in His Word, so we don't really know the truth. So we're not really disciples, and we don't really find His freedom. And so the world looks at us, and they see us going through our divorces and, and, and stuck with our addictions and struggling with our issues. And they say, well, you guys have God, and your life's no different than mine. How can that be? Your God must not be re- real, or at least it doesn't work, because you're not living any better than I'm living. And they're right. They have an argument, don't they? But if we'd really apply this word, if we'd really embrace this word, if we'd really abide in this word the way Jesus told us to, we would know his truth. We would be true disciples. And we'd start seeing freedom in our marriages and freedom in our health and freedom in our families and blessing on our finances. And the world would say, wow, You've got something I don't have. Your life is different. How do you do that? And we say, well, step one is get born again. Step two is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you just touch your neighbor and make sure they're awake? And then say to them, I think he's talking to you today. Would you tell him? Just tell him, I think... He's talking to you. Renewing the mind is replacing our fleshly, worldly, ungodly thoughts and beliefs with those of God that we receive from His Word. That's why Jesus said, abide in my Word. Remember how many times the Lord would say stuff like, you say, do it this way, but I say, do this. You say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, forgive. You say, fight. 
But I say, turn the other cheek. So he's constantly giving them this exchange of thinking, this exchange of beliefs. And if we hang on to our thoughts, we can't have God's thoughts. And if we don't have God's thoughts, we can't be transformed. And therefore, we can't have God's will. So what happens to us? Well, we get stuck in our own attitudes and stuck in our own beliefs. And we do it our way and we fight for our rights and we fight for what we think. And then we ask God, why is it not working? Why is my marriage struggling? How come I can't get a new job? Where's the financial blessing, Lord? And the Lord said, I told you. Abide in my word. Then you'll be my disciple. You'll know truth. And that truth will set you free. Free from strife and free from debt and free from poverty and free from lack and free from the negatives of the world. But if you want to keep your way of thinking, you're going to have to keep all the negatives that come with it. Thank you for your exciting response. It's true, isn't it? I wish change was easy. I wish it just would happen so naturally and we didn't have to work at it. I, I, wish, I wish that it just, you know, we could just sit in church and when we left we were new diff- and different people. But it just doesn't work that way. We, we, we have to apply ourselves and we have to discipline our flesh and we have to put down our pride and we have to deal with our ego. I was 19 years old and I was sitting in a rehab center because I'd been arrested five times. I was in and out of jail. When I was 18 and 19 years old, five times. And finally the judge said, look, if I see you once more, you're going to prison. So I'm putting you in this rehab center. As long as you stay there, you don't have to go to prison. But if you leave, I'm going to catch you. I'm putting you in prison. That wasn't very nice. But I stayed in rehab. And while I was there... Julius, who became my spiritual father, was talking to me about my addictions and my habits and my thinking and my attitudes. And I started saying, yeah, I know, I know. And he'd tell me something. I said, I know, I know, I know. Parents, you ever hear your teenagers responding that way? I know. And we're trying to teach them how to get a job. I know, I know. And try to teach them how to save money. Oh, I know, I know. Don't tell me, I already know. And so then we say to them, if you already know, why are you broke? Why are you asking me for money? Why are you living in my house? You know everything. Why are you eating my food? It's the same for all of us, isn't it? It's our flesh, it's our pride, it's our ego. It's the human nature. We defend our thoughts even when they're wrong. You know, people get together who are in the midst of crises. It's it's like all the alcoholics get together to talk to each other about how to overcome alcoholism. And then they all leave and go get drunk. And all the divorced people get together and talk about how to overcome marriage problems. And then they all leave and go fight with their spouse. And if you go to jail right now, you'll find a group of people who are all legal experts. I can remember sitting in jail and people telling me how to handle the judge and what I should say and how to deal with my legal problems. And I look back now and I say, why would I listen to these people? They're all in jail. 
But it's just human nature. It's, it's our flesh. It's our pride. It's our ego. We think we know. And even when God speaks to us in his word, we say, I know, I know. I heard that sermon before. But if you knew, you wouldn't be so ugly. No, I mean, whatever. You see the point. We have to humble ourselves and say, I don't know. But God, I want to know. I don't know how to be a good spouse, but I want to know. I don't know how to be a good parent, but I'm asking you, God. I don't know how to deal with the affairs of life, but I'm seeking after you. Jesus said, if you will hunger and thirst, you'll be filled with all that God has to offer. If you want it, if you humble yourself and desire it, you'll be filled with all that God has to offer. And that's the beginning of change. That's the beginning of renewal. That's when the transformation starts, when we humble ourselves and we say, God, I want something different. As long as we fight and defend ourselves and act like we already know and resist what other people say or resist what we see in Scripture, we'll never have God's best. We may be praying for it and at the same time fighting against it. It's an amazing thing how we can do that. But people do it every day, don't they? Pray for healing, but resist the change that would bring healing to our lives. Pray for God's help and reject the help when it comes to us. And so we must open ourselves to change and accept that process of renewal. When you start renewing your mind, you start entering into the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. When I find myself in trouble, problems, struggling in certain areas of life, I ask myself, what truth am I ignoring? What truth am I resisting? Because if I'm abiding in His Word, I know the truth, and that truth makes me free. So if I'm struggling financially, if I'm struggling relationally, if I'm struggling with any area of life, what truth am I ignoring? What thinking is causing me to resist truth? Because if I embrace that truth, it will set me free. Look with me in 3 John verse 2. 3 John, way back toward the book of Revelation. Little John. Verse 2. Pick any chapter you like in that book. 3 John 2. Beloved... I pray that you may prosper in all things. I'm reading the New King James. I pray that you may prosper in all things. Now, John wouldn't have prayed it if it wasn't God's will, would he? He wouldn't have prayed it and the Holy Spirit would not have recorded it in the canon of Scripture if it wasn't God's plan for you to prosper in all things. Be blessed in all things. Abundant life, Jesus said. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But look at what he said next. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You see, he gave us a key right there. You will prosper in all things as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your will. Your soul is that human part of you that must be renewed. 
Your spirit got born again, but your soul is being renewed by the word. James said, the engrafted word is able to save your soul. He said, I'm already saved. Sure, spiritually speaking, you're saved. You have eternal life, but your soul is being saved as the word of God is engrafted into it. And so you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. If we can elevate the prosperity of our soul, we then elevate the prosperity of every area of our life. What what really is going on with the kid who can't overcome his addictions? Well, he's consumed with thoughts. He's focused on a way of thinking that keeps him bound to the idea that a drug or alcohol or a cigarette or whatever it is will make him happy, will somehow make him better, will somehow give him peace, give him relief. I understand what it, what it feels like and what it, what it thinks like to be an addict, an addict. You, you just believe that if I, if I just smoke a joint, if I just have a pill, if I just snort some coke, if I just can get another hit, I'm going to be all right. It's going to, I'm going to get a little rest. It's going to be a little better. It's the thoughts. It's the way of thinking of an addict. But if you can prosper in your soul, you get to a new way of thinking. Now, you think about that, that thinking of the addict, and you think, well, that's crazy, that's stupid, that, that, that won't work. But there's other areas of thinking that you get hung up with. Maybe it's like when the pastor says, let's bring our tithe, and you're like, I ain't going to give my tithe, I can't afford to tithe. Thank you for your exciting response. Because in your thinking, you are the source and your job is the source and your money only comes through you and what you do. You can't, you can't think that God could bring to you blessing and increase and favor and prosperity. So tithing to you just doesn't compute. But the Bible said you're cursed with the curse. Because you can't bring your tithe. And so that way of thinking keeps you stuck and limited. And until you can renew your mind, you can't enter in to all that God has for you in that area. So just like the addict is stuck with his thoughts that keep him bound to his addictions, there are people that are stuck in many areas of life. Our marriages struggle because of attitudes that we have. You keep trying to cast the devil out of your husband. It's not a demon. The other day I had a mother bring a little boy to me. She said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my little boy. He's only about this big. He's like five years old. And she said, he has a demon spirit. He got it from his father. I said, Mom, we could pray for this boy until we rubbed all the hair off his head. And he would look like his father. But it wouldn't change anything. He doesn't have an evil spirit. He has some wrong thinking. But he got as much wrong thinking from you as he did from his dad. The fighting and the bitterness and the anger and the frustration and the words that come out in the house are putting wrong beliefs and wrong thinking into his mind. And he throws a fit because you throw a fit. He does it in a childish way. You do it in an adult way. But it's the same thoughts and the same attitudes. We become like our parents, don't we? Just like we pick up their accent, we pick up their thinking. 
We learn more unconsciously than we do consciously. We go to school and they teach us out of a book, but at home we're taught unconsciously day by day. So to renew those thoughts is not immediate and not automatic and not easy. But if you can prosper in your soul, you'll begin to prosper in all things. I grew up in a small town, the northwest part of the United States. My parents usually talked about what we couldn't afford and what we couldn't do and what wouldn't work. They were divorced when I was a teenager. My mom's had three different husbands. My dad died at an early age. Heart failure. It wasn't a lot of success. It wasn't a lot of blessing. They were good people. I'm not saying they were bad, but they were just worldly, carnal people under the pressures and under the negatives of this world, and they never found a way out of it. And so they were defeated by it. But I came out of that and I said, I want something different. I'm going to have something different. And as my soul began to prosper, everything about my life began to change. And today we pastor the largest church in that region. And we're influencing thousands of people and having an impact on our communities. But it's not because I was born in a little town with a poor family and followed their example, is because I renewed my mind after I got connected with Jesus. You can say that you don't understand my circumstances and you don't know where I live and here in Scotland that'll never work and in my community that'll never happen. But I say it's not about this world. It's about your relationship with His world. And as your soul prospers, everything around you can change. How many people have said there'll never be a church like this in Edinburgh and yet here we are having church and we're going to go to another location this morning and soon there'll be others and soon there'll be thousands of people in this kind of church growing, changing, renewing. It can happen. It just takes somebody willing to renew their mind. And as your soul begins to prosper, you begin to prosper in all things. Are we out of time, Pastor? You okay? A couple more minutes? I love being in these Catholic churches. <laughs> so quiet. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, the apostle writes... The carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. How would you define your thinking day to day? Not on Sunday, because I know on Sunday you all think so good. But Monday to Saturday, how would you describe your thinking? Carnal, which simply means connected to the world, fleshly, worldly. Or spiritual, which means connected with God ordered of the Lord. The carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. Now, death doesn't mean that you stop existing. Death just means separated. When a marriage dies, the husband and wife are separated. When you're spiritually dead, you still exist and you have a spirit, but it's separated from God. When you physically die, you still exist, but you're separated from your physical body. Death means separation. 
And I'll close with this illustration from the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 15. He talks about a father who had two sons. And one son said, Dad, I want all my inheritance. I'm going to go do my own thing. Tired of living here with you and doing it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And so he took his inheritance and he ran off away from his father. And he got out into the world and he wasted all his money on partying and riotous living, the Bible said. He was just having a riot. He was at the game. He was the drunkest fan and he was partying. He was having girlfriends and picking up girls and just having a whale of a time. But soon his inheritance was gone. His resources were gone and he was struggling to survive. His addictions consumed all that he had. And that's what happens in our world, isn't it? We, we consume all that we have and we start waiting for the government to send us a check. Somebody needs to take care of me. Somebody owes me. They need to take care of me. We get mad at everybody else because of our own conditions. And so he goes to work for a pig farmer. And the Bible said he would eat the food that the pigs ate. He was so hungry and so Low. And one day, listen, the scripture says, one day he came to his right mind. And he said, I'm going back to my father. Because even if I'm a servant in my father's house, it's better than the life that I have now. And so he went back to his father. And before he could say anything, his father saw him and ran to him. And loved him and hugged him and put a robe on him and put a ring on him and put shoes on him and said, my son was dead, but now he's alive. And they put on a party for him. And an amazing story. And there's several issues here that apply to you and I. We can live in the blessing and the prosperity of the father if we're willing to think like our father. Or we can live in the world and eat the pig food if we want to think like the world. And the crux of the matter comes down to that day where he came to his right mind. He didn't have to cry and repent. He didn't have to beg and borrow. He didn't have to plead with God to forgive him. He didn't have to pay penance. He didn't have to crawl on his hands and knees. He just had to renew his mind. And the scripture said when he got a new thought, the father loved him and he was able to receive what the father had for him. And isn't it interesting that the father said, my son was dead. Well, he wasn't dead. He was out there living with the prostitutes and partying and righteous living. He wasn't dead. He was whooping it up. He was having a good old time. He wasn't dead. He was hanging out with the pigs. But remember, death means separation. He was dead to his father because he was separated. He was dead to the father's provision, the father's protection, all that the father always wanted him to have. He was separated. Why? Not because of God. Not because of where he lived. Not because of his country. Not because of his surroundings. Because of his thinking. And when he came to his right mind, it all changed. 
when he came to his right mind, all that the father had came back to him. God's not mad at any of us. God's not withholding healing. He's not withholding blessing. He's not withholding anything. The father's waiting to embrace us and pour out abundant life on us. It's just going to take one thing. You'll have to come to your right mind. You'll have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Was he always a son? Sure. He was always a son. He always had a relationship. But he was separated until he came to his right mind. You may be a son or a daughter of God and on your way to heaven. But not have all that the Father has for you. Because of the way you think, the way you believe, the things you say, the way you live. But as you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, you'll come back into that place where God can give you all that he has for you. And please know, God's not mad at us. He's not upset. He's not thinking, what are these kids ever going to learn? He's just waiting for the day that we come home. Come back to a right way of thinking, a right way of believing, and accept what he has for us. And he'll put a robe on your life and a ring on your finger and shoes on your feet and kill the fatted calf and let's party. The old religious brother said, I can't believe you're having a party for that son of yours. And the father said, everything I have has always been yours. Religious people can miss what God has just as quick as worldly people can. So we all must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The spiritual mind is life and peace. Would you just close your eyes with me? Maybe there's an area in your life where you say, I really need to make some changes. I really need to renew my mind. and Get back to the Father. I'm praying today that you heard a scripture, that you heard a word, that you heard a thought that will get you started on that path of renewal. I want to pray with you today if you're realizing I need something new in my relationship with God. I've never been born again. I've never really given my life to Him. That's the first step. That's the beginning. If you want something new or something more in your walk with God, Would you lift up your hand right now? I just want to add my faith to yours. I see you here and there and there and there. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friends today. And I believe that you're bringing salvation and you're bringing renewal. I thank you, God, that it is your plan that we live an abundant life. That you'll keep us in perfect peace. And so we give ourselves to you afresh, anew, totally holy. I want to pray one more thing before we go on. I'm going to ask Pastor to come. If you've never really made Jesus Lord of your life. If you've never really been born again. Maybe you sit in church, but sitting in church does not make you a Christian. If you want to really give your life to God. Be born of His Spirit. Start new with Him. Would you lift up your hand right now? 
Can I just pray one more time? Is there anybody? I see you. Here's one, two. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Where are you? We're going to pray with you. We're going to add our faith to yours. Pastor, just come. We have some things we'd like to give to you that lifted your hands. We want to make sure you receive what you need from the Lord. We want to pray with you personally. Those people who put their hands up. And anyone else here that you, you're saying, I need to be connected with God. I need my life to be right with God. I want to know Him. Then I want to lead you in a prayer just now, very simply. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I invite you just to pray this prayer quietly under your breath and let this be your heart's cry to God pray dear God thank you so much for your incredible love for me thank you God for the price you paid on that cross so that I could be forgiven and I could know you I pray right now I put my faith in you Jesus to be my saviour I believe you're risen from the dead and alive today and today I make a commitment to be yours to follow you to the best of my ability God thank you you love me thank you you hear my prayer and Jesus be the Lord of my life I want to walk with you now God I want to live in this adventure with you In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those two people who put their hands up and others here who prayed that prayer, you made that commitment. God heard your prayer. And I believe God accepts you today. Can I encourage you at the end of the service, there'll be a team of people at the front here. There'll be leaders here. And they'll be here to pray with you for whatever you want to be prayed for, whether you're sick and you need God to heal you, or whether you're someone here who you made that decision, you want to follow Christ, then I'd love you to come forward and there'll be someone here. We've got booklets we want to give you and we want to pray with you again if you'd be willing to have that. And also as Casey's touched on something about the renewal of our minds, maybe you want someone to pray with you about that. Just have someone stand alongside you, lay hands on you, pray that God will help you on this journey. So we can change our mindsets in areas that have kept us in bad ruts in life. Then also there'll be a team of people here to pray. So I can ask leaders to come forward at the end as well. So let's stand. We're going to worship God. Uh, Would you also give Casey a massive big thank you and round of applause. Thank you, Casey. Let's worship God. I hope that today's message has helped you. If you want to find out more about us as a church, download more audio teaching, give us feedback, or make a contribution to our ongoing work and mission here in Edinburgh, please visit our website at destinyedinburgh.com. May God continue the great work that he is doing in your life.